You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Corley and Happy New Year. This is the first really useful podcast of 2024. I've got for you today a collection of tips and tricks that didn't make it into the main podcast from the past couple of months. Ben Stegner and myself have some tip discussions, trick discussions, and there's even a kind of a secret off-air recording that I made. Well, I mean, it wasn't really a secret, but it's one of those nice precursor discussions that we have to run into the podcast, which um, I'm going to be sharing with you as a little kind of behind-the-scenes look as to what happens before an episode of the Really Useful Podcast. So what didn't we bring you in the Really Useful Podcast in 2023? Well, we have got a little bit about Android Wi-Fi and Twitter verification. We've got something about photos and OneDrive. We've got a bit of retro ROM talk. And then we've got uh, a look at all the material that you should not share online. It's uh, probably worth uh, just examining just some of the things, some of the types of information that you should not post online. We've got a list of five information types that you should consider here, uh, keeping to yourself. Uh, these can uh, be... Hang on, lost my thread completely. Some of these are kind of similar to the ones I just went over to, so we can... There might yeah. be different things we can cover, but some of them are pretty close. Hang on. Right, I've got it. These complement what we've just discussed... Then again, they might not because I might not use this piece in this week's podcast. So I'll just fucking, excuse my French, just stop there, man. Stop there, man. Rephrase it. So, uh, yeah, because we spend increasing amounts of time online and document our lives through work and social media apps, it is possible to share things that we sh probably should not. So we've got a list of five things that you should never share online. Number one, your location. There's two types to think about here, data you choose to post and data that is gathered by apps and devices. Of course, apps and devices can gather your data, your location data, without you even realizing it. So photo apps, um, Facebook check-ins, uh, things like that. So uh, avoid those. What you can do is check your privacy settings on social networks, disable automatic location tagging for status updates or tweets. Don't do check-ins. Don't do check-ins at home as well. And remove EXIF information from photos. That's photos that's um, information that's encoded into photos. That's a very important step to take. There's a whole list of things that you can do. Uh, like everything in the Really Useful podcast, you will find uh, what we're speaking about in the show notes. And you can uh, do a bit of a deep dive and get the full set of information and steps that you can take to uh, solve these issues. Now, another thing you shouldn't do is share addresses and phone numbers. That might seem obvious, yet so many people will do it. It is uh, incredible. They might do it intentionally. It might happen accidentally. Uh, but most importantly, it might happen and it's not encrypted. It, it, you know, there might be a legitimate important reason. Air tickets, uh, concert tickets or whatever, other sort of transport tickets, and you need your phone number. But if it's not encrypted, then uh, there's a good chance that it's going to be shared somewhere because uh yeah you might not be using the right service for a start off and you've potentially got bigger problems there so uh, 
when submitting personal data online, look for HTTPS in the URL. That will in indicate that the uh, information you're sending is encrypted. And don't post your address anywhere. Well, certainly not in public forums like Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, Craigslist, even Facebook. Uh, number three, identification, credit cards, banking details. Don't share those. Just don't share them. Don't post images of confidential personal financial information or your identity online. And if you have a legitimate reason to post anything like that, blank out the sensitive information. You can use a pen. You can get those uh, devices which will uh, overwrite um, little sort of inky grid things. So use those. And remember, um, what happens at work stays at work. Don't share that stuff. Utilize lists on social networks to separate your contacts. Keep your work life and your personal life fully separate and don't criticize business or colleagues. And finally, watch what you say in digital public spaces. Don't go mad on Twitter about something, whether it's work-related, whether it's personal. It's probably a good idea not to go mad about your local team on Twitter as well. You may create additional or anonymous accounts to interact with customer services on social media. Avoid giving specifics, save them for private conversations, and just generally limit visibility of what you share by not sharing. Be careful about it. Now, I have uh, various networks that my phone connects to. And uh, I almost use it like a sort of little library of uh, Wi-Fi passwords. Are you, am I the only one who does this? You mean like uh, a library in the sense of like, if you've forgotten, like, like if your friend forgets their Wi-Fi password and you have it saved on their on your device? Or like yeah, if or if I'm taking like, and... yeah, if I'm taking a tablet to a new place where I've previously only used my phone, or if I'm taking my laptop to a new place where I've previously only used my phone, I can refer to my phone. Yeah, I've done that once or twice. Something else that's kind of an, a weird, like, souvenir. That's it's, I'm saying that very broadly in quotes. But, like, for devices that remember all the networks you've connected to, like, on your phone or even, like, my Nintendo Switch, I've done this, where, like, it keeps a list of everything you've ever connected to. So if you scroll down, you can see, like, when I was in Australia, there's networks I connected to that I can still see on there. It's just, like, a fun little reminder of oh, yeah. places that you've used your system or your phone or whatever. It's, like, a little underrated trail of places you've been if you remember the name of the network obviously sure so if you were to do that how exactly would you view those saved wi-fi passwords how would i view them well mm. uh, if i was using an android phone uh that is a, that's running a modern version of android i would use a pretty handy method um so if you have an android phone that is running android 10 or later which should be most modern devices um, there is a built-in method to check the password of a Wi-Fi network that you've connected to in the past. So um, notably, this is only for networks where you've already connected to them. So this doesn't let you see network passwords without having permission to join them and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but it's super easy. So the way that you do it is on your Android phone, if you open settings and then you go to uh, network and internet or some version of which uh, depends on your version of Android, as with most Android tutorials, the wording will be different. Um, on Android 12 and newer, it's internet instead of network and internet. And then you'll see a list of all the Wi-Fi networks. You wanna tap your current one and you'll see some options. And once you do that, you tap on the share button 
and then you'll need to confirm your phone, your face scan, fingerprint, your pin code, whatever. And then you'll see a uh, QR code that lets you share your Wi-Fi with someone else. And it also shows the password uh, right underneath that QR code. So um, if your friend is physically near you or another device you want to have join, uh, you can just scan that QR code to join the Wi-Fi network. Uh, otherwise, you can just copy and paste the code uh, and send it to someone. And on newer Android versions, starting with 12, uh, there actually is a button that says nearby. It uses Android's nearby share function to let somebody else join your uh, your Wi-Fi network. So you can use that to uh, let someone jump on without having to like text them the, the password or have them type it in if you read it to them out loud. Um, if you're on an older version of Android, you don't have as many options. So there's no uh, default way to see the Wi-Fi password. The only way is with root. Uh, so there are apps uh, such as Wi-Fi Password Viewer, which we can put in the show notes. Uh, those let you see the password for Wi-Fi networks, but um, they're all, they don't all have great reviews uh, and root apps are kind of hit or miss to begin with. So that's an option if your phone is rooted, which isn't as popular now as it used to be, um, and, and you, you don't have a modern version of Android, you can do that as well. But yeah, it's a nice way to uh, check the Wi-Fi password if you forget, and then you can hopefully add it to your password manager uh, for a more secure way to store it and not uh, forget it in the future. So it's built in. It's pretty handy. That is an interesting point. What, no one roots their phones anymore, do they? Yeah, I've been thinking that um, even like in the time that I was Android editor at the site and just kind of in general, same thing with jailbreaking. Um, I remember, I mean, it's kind of early on with rooting. I remember like all the sites you would read uh, on make use of and elsewhere. There was always not, not like 50, 50 or anything, but there was a good share of articles that were root only. You know, people yeah. would say you could, this app lets you do this and all these crazy things. And now people just don't, I think it's partially because so many of the best reasons to root historically are now built into Android things like, sure. like, permission management instead of it being all or nothing. I mean, that's been an Android for a long time now. Screenshots. Um, right. Yeah. For, for a long, yeah, for a while that was, I can't believe that was ever not part of the OS. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, what was the other one I was going to say? Oh, I, I guess it's, I mean, I know it's like this with jailbreaking too. It's a lot of like whack-a-mole, like when people come up with how a, a new method to root a phone or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like the Android patches it and all that kind of thing. And it's just not worth it. So yeah, I think most people what they want from a phone comes deep by default, and they don't they don't really need to root. It's not worth the risk or jailbreak. A uh, a, a colleague of mine asked me about uh, Substack a couple of days ago, and whether it was worth using Substack. And I had to say, well, I don't really know because I don't I have looked at Substack, but I haven't really given it a proper look because I'm kind of still for the time being wedded to Twitter. And, you know, there's very similar features on Twitter. You know, you can do long posts and stuff if you're verified. And there's like, people can f subscribe to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But g being verified on Twitter is a very different thing now to what it was, say, 12 months ago, isn't it? It is a lot. So um, so this, this a couple of things about this. I, I hate the X name for, it's just really confusing. So I'm, I'm, I still want to refer to it as Twitter, even sure. though it's technically called X now. But yeah, if I say either one, same thing. Um, yeah, so if you're familiar with the history of Twitter, uh, you might know that prior to uh, when Elon Musk bought it last year, and uh, a lot of things have been changing since then, obviously, um, verification on Twitter used to mean um, basically what it means on other social media websites. It was that you were a high 
high-profile account and that you were authentic. So, you know, when you go to whatever Barack Obama's account, you know that it's him and not someone pretending to be him. That applies to, you know, politicians, celebrities, sports stars, musicians, whatever. Um, so there was a process to get verified. You had to show that you were notable and that you were you were who you said you were uh, and that you um, – Maybe had been people had been trying to uh, impersonate you, that kind of thing. So you used to be able to publicly apply for verification. That changed over time. But now, now that Twitter is X and under a different system, um, verification is not the same thing. So now when you see a blue check on Twitter, it means that someone uh, is verified in the sense that they pay for X premium, which used to be called uh, Twitter blue. So basically the way that you get verified now is just by paying for the subscription service uh, X premium which you can sign up for on the app or through the website. Uh, you'll find it in the left sidebar uh, or on just on, on your phone on that left pull out menu uh, or on the website. It's on that same left sidebar and you'll find it under premium. Um, so you get a, a, a number of benefits. We've I think we've talked about in a prior episode at some point. Um, when you subscribe and you're verified, you get prioritized. So when people search, for example, um, they, they can sort only by verified accounts. Uh, they can filter their notifications to only show uh, pings from verified people. Um, you see fewer ads when you sign up, uh, you can post longer, uh, tweets and, and uh, edit your tweets after the fact, a lot of stuff like that. So, um, if you're interested, uh, you do have to sign up for X, for X premium, uh, and you need, uh, what else do you need to get verified? You need a name and a profile picture. Uh, your account needs to be active, which means you need to have used it in the last month and you need a confirmed phone number to show that you, uh, are an active person and not a bot, um, if your account shows any misleading activity, um, if you've been, you know, gotten in trouble in the past because you've been spamming or breaking the rules, you won't be eligible for a while. Um, if you've changed your account, so if you've changed your photo, you've changed your username, that kind of thing recently, uh, there's also a cooldown period uh, where you cannot uh, get the blue check mark to show that you're real. Um, and it's the same thing once you have it. Uh, if you break the rules, if you change your account, that kind of thing, um, you can lose your verification. So that's basically all it means now. Um, you kind of enjoy like a premium experience on the app, but it's important to note that the blue check does not mean anymore that someone is verified in the sense that they are an authentic person. Um, you could make like a parody. I mean, th there's rules about like parody accounts need to be clearly labeled, um, but it's still, it could be a little bit easy to fall for a blue check account that looks like it's uh, a real person, but it's a parody. Uh, and there's two other types of checks to know about too briefly. So there's the gold check. Um, that means that an account is part of an organization that is subscribed to X's uh, verified organization system. Basically, right. it just means that it's it's a corporation, nonprofit, anything like that that is uh, registered with Twitter as an as a business account, essentially. So okay. any kind of business you see will have that. And then uh, it's very expensive, so not all businesses pay for it. And then uh, there's also government political accounts that have a gray check. Right. Um, so if you see that, you know that it is a um, a politician, uh, yeah. like a, a, a city government, that kind of thing. So. Yeah, so that's what that means. So yeah, you can get the check pretty easily if you're willing to fork over a few dollars a month and uh, you want the best Twitter experience possible on X. I know of people that I follow who have done this, but I don't actually know anyone personally who has done this, to my knowledge. I am trying to think, yeah, now that you say that, I mean, I don't really have anyone I know that uses Twitter like religiously i guess like most i mean there's people i follow that like their personalities you know like media personalities so like they yeah. need 
it makes sense for them to invest the money because they sure. use Twitter all the time. And, you know, more people seeing them means more people listening to their podcast or whatever. So I think it's definitely, I mean, it's not that much money. It's just, I don't, I use Twitter as like a way to just keep up with people and see what's going on. It's not something I want to pay for. Like, I don't see the value in that. So I have no interest in that, especially because, you know, there was always that like ongoing joke at the site about who got verified and whether we ever would, that kind of thing. So, hmm. but we don't have to worry about that anymore because uh, it doesn't mean that what it used to. No, it's okay. It's, I'm waiting for something to download before we can start this in sort of earnest, as it were. Um, just some, I started it like before I left the room and it still hasn't happened. Some, uh, Stuff my Google Photos into my, um, excuse me, into my sync drive for Mr. Bruce. Okay. So I'm just waiting for those to uh, complete, as it were. I've got this um, GPD Win 4 handheld to review. It's absolutely insane. I was going to say, I hadn't heard of it, so I pulled it up. It looks a lot like a PS Vita, like the form factor. It does, I mean, doesn't it? Not the yeah. sliding screen. It's a lot but... thicker. Than the PSV, okay. but you know, it's it's obviously it's got those sort of um, those bits around the edges, so it's it's definitely playing to that sort of uh, going for that look. But like the handheld, yeah, yeah, but it's essentially twice as powerful as a Steam Deck in terms of oh, um, okay. in, ter in terms of threads and uh, what have you. It's it's ridiculous, really. I mean, I, I'm tempted to keep it, keep like keep it, keep it, but I don't know. At this point in time, because the Steam Deck just it feels more friendly and lighter. Yeah, probably because well. it's it's like the like the OS and stuff feels friendlier. Holy no, just holding it and just goes holding on it and on. Pardon? So this web page just goes on and on and on. Which web page is that? The GPD four. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's interesting how it has like <laughs> screenshots where you can see that it's like running a switch, which is definitely not legal. Like I'm surprised no. they're advertising that in their advertising. Yeah. Well, um, they, they can they, you can run the um, emulate, can't you? you? Just um, it's another matter entirely when you start running ROMs. Yeah, it's like showing games on the home screen. Yeah, my friend sent me on Instagram. He sent me an ad that he saw on Instagram. And it was called I don't remember what it was. Some retro gaming console but it was like it wasn't just like the analog pocket where it plays game boy cartridges it was like we'll sell you this device that has 200 games on it and i'm like how are these people not being sued into oblivion and you're basically mm. just selling a device that has a bunch of roms preloaded like nintendo cracks down on the smallest things yeah yet there's this ad that like i mean i'm i'm, I'm not one of those people it's like I'm not going to, like, report it, obviously. I have no problem with people using ROMs on their own, especially, you know, older games. I don't care. But, like, you're going to download a bunch of ROMs and then sell a device with them on that. Like, that's not fair. No, it's not. There's a lot of them on um, Facebook, that, like, like these systems, isn't there, with, um, you know, they've, they've got a... Um, a bunch of ROMs pre-installed and they come like like mega boxes or whatever what have you and they're like a hundred pounds and you get like ten thousand games or something and that, a lot of it is licensed if not all of it but then again at the same time I mean there was this thing came along the other day 87 percent of games f from sort of pre 2010 are still unavailable to play yeah I think I saw I saw that stat that's 
Yeah, that's sad. That's yeah. the thing. I'm not opposed to. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm a very practicalist. Like, okay, like if I want to play some, if I want to play Mischief Makers on N64, right? I can buy an N64 and buy an official cartridge and do go through all that crap and spend eight hundred dollars on all that to play one game. I'm, but the thing is, I'm happy to pay for like. I just got into the Pikmin games over the last week or so because Pikmin Four came out and I yeah they re- they re-released Pikmin One and Two on Switch and it's fifty dollars for both of them thirty bucks a piece if you buy them separately and I thought and, they, and then they're pretty bare bones it's like a a remaster like widescreen you know it's not like they remade them but like that kind of thing I'm happy to pay for that I could just play it for free on PC on an emulator but I'm happy to pay for the official one to support the yeah, game yeah. but when you don't give me an option to do that. My one cousin, um, his brother got him um, one of those things for Christmas. I forget what it was called. It was one of those, like, you know, generic things. And it had, not only was it, like, it wasn't even, like, official ROMs. It was all, like, bootleg stuff. It's called, like, Mario 4. And that's just, like, <laughs> some Chinese bootleg hack. I forget what the name, what it was called, but it was very funny. There was a... Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna give up waiting for this thing to come to download. I think we're just gonna have to go for it. But before I before we do that, that back in the eighties, there was um, when um, Super Mario Brothers came out on the Nintendo. There was a German developer, the name escapes me, released something called Great Guiana Sisters, which is essentially Super Mario Brothers with the main sprites changed into girls. Oh yeah, I, I've I've played uh, Gianna Sisters. Yeah, it's like you yeah. can the one I played. There was like one that was evil, one that was good, and you could like uh-huh. hit a button and it would like transform the world from like dark yeah. to light. I played it for fifteen minutes. I remember not liking it very much, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was a big thing at the time because it was like you know, you knew because it, um, it, it appeared and I think got reviewed somewhere, and then everyone sort of just forgot about it for like a year, like it never happened. You know, it does seem to be one of those like hidden gems. The game Shantae was like that too. It was on um, Game Boy Color, and it was like it was released like really late into the GBC's lifetime. So it was kind of like a forgotten game. Like it reviewed really well, but like no one played it. Right. Um, and now, like if you like to buy an original copy of that, like, let me look this up on like eBay. Thankfully, it's available on like the Wii U or the Wii. It's all well, the eShops are gone now. But like, let me see what it costs. Oh, I, I think I think there's reproductions. Yeah, right, limited yeah. run games. Okay, that's yeah. not an original cartridge. I think original cartridges are going for like several hundred dollars. No surprises. I mean, there. going for with always the caveat, obviously that that's what people are listing them for. It doesn't mean they're selling for that. Well, but. exactly. Yeah, there's that. There's that one on uh, eBay at the moment in the UK. The um, I'll just bring it up now. It's a Pokemon cartridge oh right it may have gone actually it was listed it was like boxed and in like ultra mint condition and it was for the game boy or the game boy advance oh no sorry the game boy the game boy color break pardon and it was fifteen thousand pounds that's insane absolutely balmy like i would i'm just not i don't have that like collector mindset like i would never pay that much money for one game like think about all the just like the games in general you could buy with that money not that i'd spend fifteen thousand exactly. dollars on games outright but like there's just nothing that's worth that to me like that's just crazy for like yeah. for a game boy color game you know it's like i get that it's rare and that's why it's valuable but like who it's not like it's like the best game ever and you can only play it if you pay this much money yeah exactly it's crazy 
it's just yeah it's just having something in mint condition from 20 years ago, isn't it? And it people, I guess people just, yeah, go crazy yeah. about it. Yeah. Right, shall we kick this off? Uh, yeah, I will uh, start recording Properly, now. Make as sure it we were. Get yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've kicked off our informal conversation, so. Yeah. You ready? Uh, yeah, let's go. Okay. I, um... I stumbled across a load of old photos the other day in my OneDrive, so I'm closing my Microsoft account and um, oh, okay. uh, the subscription for it. So it's obviously it's knocking my 50 gigabytes of OneDrive down to 5 gigabytes. So I had to um, archive everything, which meant using the... Because um, I'm on Ubuntu full-time, so I had to find a OneDrive client, which worked fine. Um, so, so well, in fact, that I... I wrote an article using it because it was uh, really straightforward to set up and use and then i downloaded everything and then i found all these old photos from um like old phones oh okay that yeah that's uh, always a fun discovery yeah yeah so i was uh i just closed a photo there just to save memory of um, the twins when they were born they were in uh, uh incubator tanks because they were oh. premature yeah it's weird to come across stuff you like totally forgot like that um yeah i, ha I have i probably have i could probably clean up like at various points over the last eight years, um, probably close to 10 years, I've had like Dropbox and Google Photos and iCloud Photos and OneDrive all like backing up my pictures on my phone. So like I'm sure I have multiple copies. Oh, yeah, but, you know, yeah. I, I don't need every single copy of those. But I'm pretty sure I've got some duplicates myself because I would um, back things up as I got rid of a phone. I would always back up the contents of the phone. Um and I know I've got multiple files. I mean, there's, there's, I've got one that's called 80 gigabyte photo drive backup, which is a literal 80 gigabyte drive that I backed up to Dropbox. And okay. looking at all the photos I've got, there's got to be some duplicates. But also this, this whole question of finding some way of organizing them. And the best I've got at the moment is by year, but eventually it's got to be, you know, those, those ones that are by year, they're going to have to be broken down into like their own folders by where they took place or what event it was or something. Otherwise, it's just going to be impossible to navigate. Because, I mean, there must be at, at least 10,000 photos. At oh, least. I mean, that's the thing. I and mean, It's like unless you have two exact same photos with the, that match in name so you can check the duplicate, it's like how do you like even start at going through all that stuff, you know? It's just yeah. such a like a nightmare i mean it's something some where you just have to like sit down and grind it out for hours and hours and hours and like where stuff goes and and you've made it to the end of our very first podcast of 2024 gavin phillips will be back to chat with me next week on the really useful podcast in the meantime, you've been listening to the Tech Podcast for Technophobes from makeuseof.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help us reach a larger audience. And if there's anything you found useful, share it with your friends and family or your social media followers. We'll be back next week. Until then, it's goodbye from us.